what I love about what you're trying to do with with the authentic pastor, just this is me speaking holistically. You're helping pastors and leaders unlearn what they have been taught that's killing them. And I I think to go back, you know, is to go forward, if that makes sense. First question, how many of the Bible characters hmm. wanted to die? Most I of them. I just listened to a, uh, <laughs> and then the rest who didn't want to die did die. Well, mental health matters, obviously. Mental health matters. I just got done listening this morning um, to a, a Bible study, Pastor Jack Graham out of Dallas on on Jeremiah. And I thought, man, my life's pretty good. You yeah. Know? Yeah. My, I, my life's pretty good. Every time I feel like when I'm wondering, is something wrong with me? from my own personal mental health. I just love to focus on David and most of his Psalms of my bones are out of joint. My heart is melted like wax within me. Darkness is my only friend. Be encouraged. <laughs> be, in, be, of, it's, be of good cheer. I guess that's one of the things that I find interesting from a pastoral perspective or, or just in ministry, it's like, look, if you're dealing with mental health or the health of you on the inside counts, you're human. Welcome to the journey that everyone else who has gone before has wrestled with. This isn't a new thing. I mean, Elijah, you know, after prophets of Baal wanted to die. Jeremiah, encouraging fella. David, Psalm 22, man, I, that just picks me right up. Let's sing that song one more time. Your bones are out of joint. Or Psalm 42, They're like I'm downcast, I'm disturbed, right? I, yeah, and I then think, and I then think maybe maybe I'm a guy, a, a man after God's own heart, heart too, because I feel down, <laughs> down, yeah. downcast and disturbed. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta make yeah. you know some jest, but it's a serious thing, and at the same time, if we don't approach it. Um, with a, a level of some whimsical, uh, you know, I guess nature, it, it can get heavy quick. Real quick. I was, I've dedicated the entire month of May in our church to, to the topic of mental health. And, um, I, I, I said right off the bat this week that it's a human condition, you know, um, if someone's ever told you it's a sin problem or it's a faith problem, um, I'm sorry, that's just, I don't know if that's just stupid or people not wanting to deal with their own stuff. Maybe it's a combination. No, I mean, both. can I chime you know, in on that just real quick? I mean, have we officially started feel, this podcast? You feel free. Uh, a couple minutes ago when you said every Bible character wants oh, to die. That's a great yeah, start. That's pretty much where we, um, that's where you rolled. I think this is just my opinion. When we start talking about what you alluded to, people take the issue of mental health um, that is very much housed sometimes in the actual body of a person, the yeah. chemical makeup, the physical 
reality that people deal with. And then they love to create that into another category or transfer that into the spirit. And in the same way, they take the soul, the mind, will, and emotions of a person, and they love to, to kind of make it into a, a conversation that is just based here in, in the spirit. And, you know, Thessalonians 5 um, talks about how we're actually made, and we're a body, yeah. soul, and a spirit. And when we're right. talking about our mental health, we need to make sure where are we talking about this in the triptych nature of how God has constructed us. Right. Um, and I think a lot of times we're just talking about it in the wrong context. And so therefore we go, oh, you're depressed. You just need to pray it, pray it away. Um, yeah. and, and we spiritualize something that is actually in our body that does have spiritual ramifications or the spirit can influence or the soul, you know, but at the same time, you're talking about a fallen tent that one day will be restored. And I just think sometimes we misapply the idea of mental health or of, you know, emotional health, and we over spiritualize it and we under, you know, physicalize it or psychological, uh, you know, from our psyche. So um, you know, psychological. I was going to say psychologicalize, which I thought I, that's a really good word. I was gonna, but I just didn't know if it was a word. <laughs> so it 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 is it is now. You know. Anyways, we blur the lines. We we, we blur the lines between the three, and um, instead of dealing with them um, triptych, as you say, instead of dealing with them individual, but they, I mean, there are in, interconnected. But when yeah. we talk about mental health, we spiritualize that real quick, but we don't spiritualize obesity, right? We don't take those physical ailments, or maybe you've got a disease or a diagnosis, and we don't all of a sudden spiritualize that, and that's because you've got something horrific in your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can be connected, but we're not so fast to blur the lines between physical and spiritual as we are between mental and spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean, those which is three, why we don't unpack it and really talk about it. Well, because three, it's one of three, those painful issues. Yeah, three very specific words in Thessalonians, three very different Greek words, three very different parts of our body that all work together. Um, and our spirit is what's dead uh, and alive in Christ, and our spirit is what's dead to sin. But in our soul, it doesn't mean that sin is dead to you. In your body, it doesn't mean the residual effects of sin aren't still playing out. And I think sometimes when we look at the war that exists in not flesh and blood, but in principalities and darkness, we love to pick and choose which one that is and where that is. And when it comes to mental health, we underplay the mind, will, and emotions part of who we are. We definitely don't even address the dietary issues the actual chemical imbalances, the, you know, the genetic and physical makeup. We definitely don't even talk about that because that's based in, you know, physical human science, you know, the idea of exploration and understanding of the human body. So a lot of times pastors don't even look at that. And then we just look at the spirit. Well, your spirit is is alive in Christ. It's already been renewed. You're working from the victory, not for it. Your spirit's got to talk to your soul, and your soul's got to talk to your body. And you're a spirit, 
with a soul trapped in a body. And when we start talking about mental health, we're just like, ah, oh, we can just pray this away or we can take a pill and just call it good. And a lot of times I think it's a combination of finding all three of those parts of us being renewed in Christ as a part of us for the whole of us, you know, mental health. Let's talk about that for a second. Do you exercise? Are you doing cardio? Do you get your heart rate up, um, you know, at least twice a day, you know, for an extended period of time? If the answer is no, then you are not caring for your body for the mental health that your soul needs. There's chemical reactions that are happening in your body that need to be uh, dealt with. Cortisol and oxytocin and, you know, your uh, all these hormones that come in and out that your body's making. And by the way, if you're overweight by 20 or 30 pounds, even 10 pounds, your fat is actually sending messages to your brain uh, okay, that are we unhealthy. This, we, were, we, we are making this podcast about me. Yeah, no, I, I just, overweight, 10, I wasn't, 20, I, wasn't I didn't say 40. <laughs> oh yeah. That, thanks. Thanks for not meddling in my, you're welcome. My point is Tim is just my thought much. on this is just like the physical part of it. We never talk about that. Um, and no, yet it's don't. such an we, impactful we, part of the holistic piece of what is true mental health, your body, spirit, and your soul. And how does that all work? And people don't like to this, um, what I'm going to say, but we, we throw, we slap a Jesus bandaid on, on everything as if though just, you know, you say Jesus and Jesus makes it all better. And, um, and I'm not discounting the fact that Christ transforms our life, but we have a responsibility and a role to play mm-hmm. in it as well. And I, I find it so interesting that, these are topics we talk about things like those people in that situation and that stuff out there, but seldom do we um, speak from the pulpit about practical daily issues like physical health. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting. I heard an interesting phrase this week. I was in uh, DC for some meetings mm. and it was a new phrase to me. It may not be a new phrase to you, but we always talk about practice what you preach. And um, this particular speaker said, that's a dumb phrase. We need to preach what we practice. Don't practice what you preach. You should only preach what you practice. Yeah, that's good. And so it's really probably a good thing in some ways that we don't stand up and um, deal with the issue of mental health because we don't practice good mental, healthy, or physical habits. What mm-hmm. would a lot of, now I sound like I'm just being indicting, what would a lot of us as pastors have to say to the issue because we don't practice it in our own life? We don't practice mindfulness. We don't practice yeah. meditation. I, we I don't think... get our heart rate up. And yeah. so, what are we going to say? What are we going to say about that? Well, I think a lot of pastors would get up and say, hey, I fake this really well. <laughs> Open your Bibles to I fake this really well. We're going to talk about how I put on a smile and cope in the lobby. Um, and that is why people quit the ministry. That's why people struggle in ministry. That's why I've struggled in ministry. That's why I've wrestled with quitting. Uh, yeah. Because it's not. Yeah, I'm always really... It's very rarely, honestly, the external issues 
very rarely the pressure of a budget or the reality of like, that's going to be at any job, any place, welcome to human life on earth. But it's that portable sanctuary of the heart that I carry into those places that's either corrupt, uh, it's it's bankrupt, it's draining me, uh, or it's feeding me. And my spirit knows, my spirit knows that Jesus has taken care of this, that he has dealt with this, that it has victory. But where I get stuck sometimes is, you know, you talked about this briefly, but your soul, your, your mind, will, and emotions, how you speak to yourself. What are you letting control your emotions, your flesh, your body, your external circumstances, or your spirit, the word of God, the words of Christ. And uh, we, we have to allow that spirit to, to leach into our soul, to move into our body, to really find that place where we can get up in front of a group of people as a pastor and say, you know, I don't always crush it. And I do have Psalm 22 moments and I do have Psalm 23 moments. I've got those valleys of the shadow of death, but he's with me. Let me tell you how I've learned uh, to allow my spirit to be louder than my mind, will, and emotions. Let me tell you the connection there of how the spirit that's within me is 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 ruling over the the soul uh, that wants to um, distort me. And then, what does this look like practically in our body, in in our human frame? You know, with the the diet we eat, with the exercise we take, with the sabbaths we forego, or the hobbies we don't have. I mean, there's all kinds of that too. We're not even even scratching the surface when you ask what a pastor would say. They'd get up and say, I fake it really well. And what I do for fun is is write sermons. And I don't know when my next vacation is. And I, and I don't take a day off every week. And um, I haven't seen my kids. And I, and I parent out of guilt. And, you know, on and on and on. All the things I've dealt with, all the things other people have dealt with, you know. It's... Um... But anyways... It's not been modeled, Eric. I mean, how, how many examples of good physical, spiritual, emotional health have we had? I mean, I never had a class or course on it 30 plus years ago in, in Bible yeah. college seminary. Um, it's not a topic at a conference we attend. Um, there will be people who hear our conversation who still poo-poo it, even though 1,500 pastors a month currently are crashing and burning and walking away, and 71%, 3.1 times the national average of the general population are depressed, their own words. And so, I mean, when my pastoral world started falling apart about three years ago, and I was walking away, and I spoke about this on Sunday. I, I, there's nothing I really don't share, um, from the pulpit, no. which is funny. We don't, we don't have a pulpit, um, from the stage on, on, on Sunday that I am burned out as a result of my own decisions. I have a healthy church. I have a healthy board of elders. I have a healthy budget. I mean, there's nothing in my church I can point to and say, this is broken. This is broken. This is broken. I, I, I'm, I'm blessed to serve healthy, healthy people in a healthy church. I wasn't healthy. Right. I am trying to balance pastoring a church, living in an airplane a half of the year, 
um, things that you understand completely while trying to be a good husband and trying to be a good father. And so I'm getting angry and mad at God and having conversations with him about things that he hasn't done anything to me. He didn't put me in this situation. I put myself in this situation and I had to just absolutely find a way out of the hole that I had dug. And for me, it became a time of really no longer talking to God, but listening to God and practicing stillness. I I created Mm -hmm. that tool a few weeks ago to send to pastors. And I reminded myself as I was writing it, you're not doing this. Don't pretend you are. You used to do it regularly every day. Mm-hmm. And then I drifted away from the habit. And so I've had to put myself back in that habit, even this morning, coming in, sitting down, turning off everything, not opening my phone, although yeah. I wanted to. And then I, then I looked at the clock and I thought, dang, I got a podcast in like two hours with Eric and I'm not, I'm not ready. And I've got 15 other things that have to be done before that. And so I just told God, hey, got to get busy. Like, what the heck is wrong with me? No wonder I'm struggling in those issues with my own emotions. And I do. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not ashamed to say it. Preaching what we, what we practice. Right. Um, I think, you know, there's something that I want to point out to everybody who's listening that from your story, I've found in my story, uh, we can be very fruitful. Um, you, You said you had a healthy church. You said you had a healthy budget. You said you had a, healthy board of elders. You had a healthy team. And honestly, Tim, to be very honest with you, you've got a healthy relationship with your sons. Um, you got a healthy relationship. I do relationship have a pretty healthy relationship with, with my family. With, with your family, with your wife, with Cindy. And that you just, from an onlooker's perspective, you know, as your friend, I see those places of health, right? And I have them too. Um, I've got healthy relationship with a lot of people. Uh, a lot of perspectives. Um, there's been a lot of fruit, you know, I guess in my life, but where I want everyone to understand is I don't think it's so much the word balance that you're Mm -hmm. speaking to here. Um, I think balance is a word we love to, we love to use that we try to articulate something different. And what I mean by that is like, I think we try and say, I'm going to stack up all of the things I have to do. And I'm going to stack up my mindfulness and my mental health and my awareness. And I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to get a boba tea with my kids. And this is going to balance out where I've got this a bunch of stuff where I'm laying myself on the altar and I'm, and this much stuff where I'm, where I'm pulling myself off the altar. I've got, this much output, this much input, this outflow, this inflow, this pouring out, this refueling. And I think we get it to the spot where, okay, now I've got mental health. Now I'm, now I'm here. I'm in equilibrium. I'm in balance. And then something happens, you know, there's a funeral Friday and you, you get blindsided by this and then you got a flat tire and then it just keeps going and it's way down there now. And it's so far down there, Tim, that you would have to have 400 Bobo tees to get, (laughs) you'd have to get, you'd have to get so many little moments where you find 
that stillness, so much quiet time that you would go on a silent tre- retreat for a month and you wouldn't. So just to get this back up to equilibrium. And I, I don't know if that resonates with you, but I feel like sometimes we live in this space and then this thing just keeps dropping and things happen. Circumstance happens. Sin is inflicted. It's chosen. It's it's something that happens where we ha- are responsible for it and it just goes so far. And so that's why I don't think balance is a good enough term, like the lady with the scales and the blindfold and this judicial old image of a certain amount of rest and a certain amount of work and a certain amount of life and a certain amount of giving of ourselves. And so what is it then if it's not that? I mean, when I look at Jesus, yeah, when I look at Jesus's life, I don't think it's all that balanced either. I mean, I think, yes, but like when you read through the gospels on the 33 or the three years that we got to peer in there, they're they're all over the place. If I ran my staff like Jesus ran his disciples, people would quit. I mean, they're just constantly on the move, constantly on the go. And then John even says, there's, uh, I think it's John, yeah, at the end, tail end of John, he goes, oh, by the way, if we actually recorded everything that we did, we couldn't even get it in here. Yeah, we can't contain it all, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, so when did you guys go to Six Flags? So maybe where where was where was your beach? So so my point is is I I guess I think there's a better word here. I'm gonna throw this out for you. I think it's about faithfulness. I think what I find you saying and what I see in your life and I see in others' lives who have an element of health that can mentor me in my own dysfunction or when I have found health, mental health, physical health, spiritual health emotional health, a healthy Eric, healthy Eric on a stage in front of a bunch of people, uh, is like where he was meant to be. Right. And, uh, what I'm created to do, you know, like, like giving God's word exponentially different, uh, experientially driven, um, laced with art and metaphor that healthy Eric comes to that. And I have no notes and I talk for an hour and a half. That's healthy, Eric. I think it's about faithfulness more than it is about balance, because I've got to be faithful to the things that fill me up. And I've got to be faithful to step away from the things that I'm called to work in, but not solve or complete. We got to be faithful to the rest just as much as we're faithful to the work. And I think a lot of times, we are very faithful to the work and ministry. People with your to-do lists and all the stuff that you're trying to do, and when you're driving a church and you're driving people and you're building the kingdom of God, we're very faithful to that list of all of those things that you had to do. But where we're not faithful is we're not faithful to the self-care. We're not faithful to the actual stillness. We're not faithful to the workout time that we should take before we go to the office. We are faithful to the work and we're not faithful to the rest. And then we never even get close to to living uh, in a way that is filling us while we step away and we step into. We're never refilled. So we're just pouring out. People are quitting because they're burned out. They're tired. It's because this pit over here, Tim, this one on my on my right, your left, that just keeps going. It's endless. Next week, it's going to be it's going to be something else. 
you know, and so the rhythms of tragedy and sin and circumstance and the the people that we're shepherding, that cannot be our dictating rhythm. That cannot be us reacting. We have to have a, a, a bedrock of rhythm that we are faithful to that allows us to go down into the bedrock and down to the depths of all of this and work in it and then step away from it. The rhythms of everyone else's stuff, uh, you know, your your sin and your lack of preparation is not my emergency. And I've got to come out of that like I'm the superhero pastor with the cape and I'm here and and realize that the sovereignty of God includes the timing of God and I must keep this rhythm in place so I can go to that place because it's never going to be balanced. I've got to be faithful to both. And I think a lot of pastors are just, frankly, faithful to the work. So let, let me, I can hear the argument, okay? Because I'm, we are in accord. I hear the argument from the pastor listening, which we make into an excuse, but it's valid because it's what I feel is, but that is what I am. So I'm talking about being weighed and measured. That's what I measured against. I measured against producing performing, mm -hmm. presenting, number one. I think that's one argument. The second argument is... Well, let's let's handle the first one first. Okay. Do you want to write down the second one so you don't forget? No, I'll forget even if I write it down. <laughs> I got it. I know what the second one is. Okay, well, that's that's true at any job, isn't it? It is true in any job. That's true in the human experience... It's part of the sweat of the brow. We will toil the land and you're going to be measured whether you're, I mean, people measure their retirement. Like I have retired people in my church that measure what they do on retirement, how successfully they act retired. Like, like you're <laughs> retired, but you don't act retired. Oh, I know I'm out there doing this and that, but I'm, I'm going to go on a cruise and I'm going to be more retired this week. I mean, we, we measure everything. That's just how it is. And I don't think that that's going to go away. I think the 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 argument I would say, the luxury of being in ministry, um, is that we can, especially for a lead pastor with a board of elders or a board that they trust, we can have these conversations and set up some of these things on a yearly basis and take responsibility for them. If we're authentic to saying, this is what it is. If you're working for another pastor who is, you know, driving, 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 driving. Um, I think that there's definitely going to be a tightrope walk here. There's healthy boundaries. There is maximizing your, uh, you know, your vacation times and all of those things. But those sometimes are environments that people find themselves in. And I don't have an answer for that. Like I had a conversation last week with a guy who, um, he doesn't pastor a church. He runs a, a national ministry. We're sitting having lunch and he stopped me and he said, I am the problem in my organization because I'm a workaholic. That's how I prove my worth. 
-hmm. And as a result, I have created that culture to burn my team out because that's the bar I set. And the expectation is you've got to work as hard as the boss. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you may not have a job. Mm-hmm. And so it was really quite a moment for him to recognize that I, I thought there was another issue, but the issue is me. Mm-hmm. The issue is me. I'm setting the culture. Yeah. And I find that very interesting because pastors in, 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 in real all intents and purposes, we are supposed to be the one who sets the culture, you know, creates the pasture, creates the place, creates the space of respite or teaching or guidance, but what are we shaping? What are we doing? So we have to take responsibility for ourselves because yes, the work will always be there. There'll always be another crisis. There'll be another, Um, another issue, but somebody has to stop and go, okay, just a minute. Right. Uh, And the other thing too, I need to be responsible. You know, Tim, not the lead pastor or someone who's shaping an organization. I'm not talking to them at this point. I'm talking to someone who who um, works with a team. Um, you're an associate role. You're an executive role. You know, you're not necessarily there um, solely as the CEO, C, that kind of that kind of role. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think the lie that that you buy uh, that I've bought at different times in my life is that that job and that pastor or that church is your source. And mm. I think why we don't say no to create a healthy rhythm, why we don't, number one, we want to be the savior. Number two, we've got a l- real small view of God's sovereignty. And number three, we buy the lie that the church that we work at is our source. And so we we create this this untouchable fly zone because we don't want to disrupt the the cash flow. We don't want to lose the the. Well, source. I was going to say that's the right. It's it's easy when yeah. we're not paying attention to consider the church the source because that's the name on the check. Yeah, and I'm just saying, like, let me remind everyone that you know, number one, we're not the savior. Number two, God's sovereignty includes our no. And number three, if if you're working on a team for a leader in a church, in an organization, and there is no uh, ability for you to take on, you know, a healthy rhythm. Yes, work hard, but work for the rest. When you come there, throw your 40 hours, your 50 hours in a week and go for it. Get off TikTok, get rid of all the distractions. Make sure that you're hitting your things, asking for what more can you do? Keep cranking those 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 baseballs out of the park hit home runs innovate go for it run go let's do this but when you're off you're off and you need to set those parameters and set up those other you know healthy guidelines i've told my youth guy here hey when it's your day off make sure that a a youth leader um, is handling any emergencies that come from your students um you shouldn't you shouldn't have to be able to take that and blur those lines of faithfulness. Uh, but I, like I said, I think the third thing is, is we just we just somehow go, man, there's this is the only church. This is the only job. This is my source. And God's your source, man. Uh, God, God is the source. He is your provider. And he ha- will, will 
like Jesus says, he knows what you need before you even ask. The but, fear, right? The fear I've heard from pastors is this idea of source. Again, we're in accord. They forget that there's a dozen churches within a mile that need shepherding, that need guidance, that need, you know, the gifts that God has given them. There's always another, there's always another placement because the source is the one who places you. He calls you to Christ. He equips you as a pastor. He places you where he needs yeah. you. And um, and you have a choice in that. You know, God's not a dictator. If you don't want to work where you're working, don't don't work there. You're not saying no to Jesus because you might not like the toxic environment you're working in or potentially the one you have been part of creating. But there's this fear that if I don't produce, which kind of goes back to my second point, it's not the external, but the internal feelings of insecurity or inferiority that makes us want mm -hmm. to produce. Yeah. Which again goes back to source, right? Who am I in Christ? You know, my identity is not my, is not my, my title. Right. But we're driven a lot by fear, which creates this whole element of anxiety. And so we, we function from a place of unhealth because we're anxious when we're called. And I prayed this this morning, God, there's a few things that I'm anxious about today. And I'm really anxious about them. And so I was thinking today about um, an investment I need to make into our organization. And I just told God, I said, I've done this many times where I've run ahead and spent tens of thousands of dollars that I didn't have at the moment. And so today I'm going to choose to wait. Now, by this mm -hmm. afternoon, two o'clock, I might write the check. And, um, but God help me not to be anxious because I'm afraid of what might happen, or I'm afraid of my own failure because of my own insecurity. Mm -hmm. And I have all of that. Mm -hmm. So where's anxiety come from? Um, where are those fears? How do we help pastors overcome some of the fears that they're dealing with that are superficial? I mean, I'm not saying they're not real. They're not, uh, painful. But yeah. maybe they're not real. Maybe they're self-inflicted. Well, I, I, I think I don't know. I think anxiety, you know, where it comes from. Jesus talks about this. He says two things: "I give you my peace, not as the way the world gives, but how I give." So, do not um, two different words here: worry and do not be afraid. So he talks about worry and fear, and I think anxiety isn't so much fear-based as it is worry-based. I think if you take worry out of a little seed packet that you bought and you plant it in the ground, you cover it with dirt, and you keep watering that worry, you let it get exposed to, to the sun, you give it some time, that worry is going to grow into a big tree. And that little seed of worry it grows into a tree, and then there's all this fruit hanging off this tree of worry. And that fruit, uh, it's it's anxiety. And I think anxiety is really just full-grown worry. And it's usually locked in the future. We're very rarely anxious about what's in the past. That's That's fear, that the past will be like our future. But anxiety, and, and fear actually grows in. You plant fear in the ground, I think fear grows into full-on depression. But anxiety is laced, in my opinion, in the future, and it's usually mature worry. 
It's the what ifs. It's the projected reality that isn't reality that keeps us still and keeps us from making a decision or adjusting our reality, or it keeps us driving in the wrong direction in our reality. It's because anxiety is in the future. It's the list of manufactured outcomes that we don't even know exist. It's the, my future is going to be like my past. And what happened the last time I wrote a check for tens of thousands of dollars, it didn't show up and I got burned. And now I'm going to step out in faith and I want to write the check now. It's a future event, but I'm I'm worried that my future is going to be like this past. And so we've got this worry that overcomes us that our future will be like our past, even though our spirit needs to remind our soul that God's mercies are new every morning, that there's a new rewrite that comes to life, that you're just in a chapter, but it's a whole book. And I think a lot of times we find the decision or the moment as just the end of the story. And I think people get stuck. That's much different. That's so much different in getting stuck in the moment than living in the now. Yeah. While they seem like there could be synonymous, Mm -hmm. getting stuck in the moment because you're worried about what's in front of you or what's behind you mm-hmm. is different than living in the present moment with confidence in the source um, that my past is gone. Right. Yeah. I've said this many times, the only power we've got over the past is purity in the present. And it's becoming cliche in my life when I really am trying to learn to practice it one more time right. to embrace the eternal. Now the I am of God and let him worry about the, how things are going to get done. If I can just going back to a word we said a few minutes ago, going back to this issue of rest or Sabbath, mm-hmm. which we struggle with other, as well. Yeah, Sabbath, whole other, we treat whole Sabbath like it's like, it's a day, right? It's not, it's, it's a, it's a state of, it's a state of mind. It's a state of being, it's every seven breaths, every seven steps, every seven thoughts it's living in God's rest, but it's living. It's, it's yeah. A whole nother podcast Sabbath. I mean, living as if everything is done, even though nothing is done. That's a, that's a, that's a big muscle, but it, to, to the first objection of like, wait, wait, you don't understand, man. I've got all this going on. No, I do understand. We've got stuff going on too. I'm just saying if it's fear of the future, that's really anxiety and that's laced in worry. And you've got to continue to allow your spirit to program your soul and your soul to direct your body. And a lot of pastors and leaders get stuck in, hey, that all sounds good, but here is my worry about the future. You know, I get I get God's my source, but what if this happens? Well, what if that does happen? You know? So what was the second thing? You had a, you had another objection. You said you could hear your listeners. Oh, I can't yeah, I am um, not necessarily saying, but I, I alluded to it that the second point was not just the external idea that I have to produce, but the internal worry or fear that um, I have to my be my, my belonging, my becoming, my being is based upon what I do. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not just there's pressures on me externally. There's pressures on me internally, which goes mm-hmm. back to this issue that maybe I don't know my source. And so I'm trying to be my own savior. Mm-hmm. So it's just, they're the same thing, but there's some the well, pressures that some people put on me, other people I put on myself as well. That's yeah, the second. I, so, that might be the harder. That's probably the harder of the two for me is my own need for you to think what I do is amazing. Yeah, and well, that that's, may just that's, be an issue that I've carried for a long time. No, I that's that's an issue that I think we're programmed over time. It, it's not something you've carried for a long time, Tim. I think it's something that you've learned over time. It's like the the slippery yeah, it's conditioned, right? You're conditioned. Yeah, like the slip, slippery slope, if you will, of of like just technology, right? Um, I grew up in my life without a cell phone, and then I got a pager. <laughs> And, you know, you could page me and then I'd have to get a quarter and call you. And then I got a cell phone. Then I had more minutes and more texting. And and then there's more accessibility. And now I wear something on my wrist. I used to anyway, until I just drove me nuts, this thing dinging. And, and it like, it turns into like this thing that we just sort of over time make decisions that actually don't enhance our time. They just actually take away from our heart you know all this connectivity all this stuff and then we're like i gotta unplug well it's because we kept plugging in over time and i think the same way to be conditioned to your performance is something that you've learned over time i'll give you an example do you remember when your boys were born I remember when Parker was born more than I remember when Kelton was born. Well, the, I remember. Let me let me reframe the question so. But I, I don't remember details. Yeah, I, and I, I don't need yeah. details. Trust me. After you see it happen, you don't really want to remember the details. You, hmm. you know, front row in real life is a lot different than the video they showed you in health class. Um, but the truth is, when was the last time you 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 saw a baby at church? that was brand new that someone introduced you to or that you dedicated or when you held, you know, your voice for the first time. That's my question. I want you to go to that moment. Okay. Now mm-hmm. holding that, you know, brand new baby, that brand new son, those kids you're going to dedicate. When you look at that child, I mean, just connect with those eyes in your mind Let's go back there to that moment. When you look at that child, you're almost intrinsically overwhelmed with the value and the worth that this kid has. Uh, Especially if they're yours, but even someone else's. You see so much value and worth and beauty and potential. The and the word that came to my mind as you're saying that is not only do I see the value, but I see the vulnerability okay. of the delicacy. Yeah. You know, the, the care the, needed. The, you have to, this, this little yeah, thing isn't going to attention required. Yeah. This little thing isn't going to go unless it has others going with it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot that's going on here, by the way, that's why I think abortion in our world, especially in the U S is such a hard it's such a hard topic because when we're talking about it, we we have all experienced this 
post-birth with a child somewhere, no matter if that's that experience that's later back-ended months, you know, in the future of some kid crying their head off at the mall or a restaurant and you just wish that that kid would leave. It's bookended with like you've you've seen a child and you know something in you says this is valuable. This is worth worth my time. This is this is life, you know. Now, think back to your sons, think back to that kid. Let me ask you a question. From your standards or the world's standards or you know, your employer's standards, how much has that kid or that child accomplished? Well, they don't have a bank account. They've made zero accolades in their field of study. They've got no degrees. They haven't graduated high school or college. They are not producing members of society on any level, shape, or form. Uh, they do produce. Let's let's be clear about that. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they produce they a lot. They produce a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, from, from all of our measurables as, like, adults, like us talking with other leaders, like, that kid hasn't done much. That baby really is unaccomplished, underproductive, certainly isn't crushing it, and it didn't do a dang thing. Yet, all of that inherent worth, all of that value, all of that attention, that vulnerability, all of it's there, along with all of what's not. And I think why I say to you, you have been conditioned over time, is because at what point that's where we start with that kind of value having nothing to do with our production and then over time we no longer look in the mirror and see us as we see these kids that are born we see this person in, in front of us and our measure of value is now based in our performance for it it starts it starts so in our lives it starts at I mean, the youngest ages. Yeah, right? I just think I immediately. Think, I think immediately, immediately we begin to be rewarded or disciplined or punished for something we did, and then we learn those behaviors. We're conditioned to those behaviors, and they just grow and exacerbate and yeah. become what we carry with us into our life, our career, our pastoral ministry, whatever. Whatever, whatever it is, we're yeah, and if we're about. going back to Eden, and if this whole thing is is being restored in a new heaven and new earth, like pre-fall status, that's when we are loved unconditionally, not based on what we do, but who we are. And that's why the people in your life that love you for you, that have nothing to do with what Tim does, that's why those are some of the most life-giving relationships. That's why my spouse, Danielle, she doesn't care if I'm a garbage man or if I uh, am a speaker or whatever. The, her, her value towards me has nothing to do with a monetary production accolade trophy. Those things are all bonus. Hey, I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job. But that's why when we get close to Eden, close to the garden, close to the new heaven, new earth in our relationships, we feel it. It's a value. The further we get from it, that's the tension we carry. That's the weight. That's the burden of going, I am merely measured on my performance. Well, yeah, that's that's how this whole thing's wired right now. 
And I think what's interesting about our conversation. Go ahead. No, I just I just think for us, Tim, we just have to. What I love about what you're trying to do with with the authentic pastor, just this is me speaking holistically. You're helping pastors and leaders unlearn what they have been taught that's killing them. And I, you know, I think the, to go back, irony, you know, is to go forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. The irony, and I don't think it's, maybe irony is the wrong word. When I knew God gave me this assignment, which is interesting because I was on my way out the door of ministry, you know that. In about a year and a half ago, when God gave me this assignment, I, I almost laughed out loud at him and thought, what are you, who are you talking to? I have nothing to say. I have nothing to share to talk about authenticity. And what I knew he nudged me to say was, uh, you're going to talk about your inauthenticity. So the irony is that I'm trying to help pastors become authentic when you should have the answer, right? Oh, you should have the answer if you're going to help pastors with the authentic pastor project. I don't. And that's what I can share. I was going to say earlier, what's interesting about our relationship is that so, it's not built upon. Oh my gosh. Isn't that so funny? It's not built upon condition. I don't need you to be, I don't need you to be Eric Samuel Tim. You don't need to be, to be Tim Eldred, even though the name should have two M's and spelled like yours. We don't do that to each other, but I still do that to me, right? Yeah. Uh, our, our, our podcast went down here a few minutes ago. I get up, I took a bio break. And as I was taking a bio break, my first thought was, dang, that guy is smarter than me. And if I would tell you that, which I just did, you would go, shut up, Eldred. Right? Yeah. Because that's, we're that's... not measuring each other and there's no condition of what we're doing. And so I'm wondering about how the pastor gets to that point in their own life where they model that because they, going back to our first phrase of this day, they are able to preach what they preach, what they practice. Mm -hmm. And I just, um, to get pastors to that point of freedom, Eric, yeah. that's what, that's what we both are committed to in this conversation in, in, well, our, in our daily lives. If you, if you can't be authentic in what you're trying to bring authenticity in, then just be honest and inauthentic in your inauthentic authenticity of what you're trying to call them to. It's almost like you're, you're going to tell people what you're learning and that's way more fascinating than what you know. And what you've learned, the story's over, but where I'm, what I'm learning, I'm wanting you to journey with me so we can learn this together. And I think that's what you do well, Tim, with this, with others, is you're inviting people into your years of inauthenticity, helping them not do what you did, helping them undo the path that left you feeling that way because you now see it post-choosing. It's like almost like you're looking back on a map and you're like, I, I took a couple wrong turns. Help, Let me help you show where those wrong turns are. And if we're talking about we mental health, go ahead. Yeah. No, you. Now, Cindy and I were having a conversation yesterday. I was heading to the, <clears throat> my ortho guy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I told you I've got a torn rotator cuff and a torn labrum. And you didn't even yeah, play no. football. It's like full contact ministry. <laughs> Cindy said, you know, I, you're I not Pentecostal you enough when you're... to have your altar calls be that <laughs> aggressive. Cindy said, do you, do you like secretly play baseball when you travel? <laughs> you know, are you a pitcher? It's, it's, How do you have a torn rotator cuff in, pickleball. in labrum? And, and I'm like, I'd love to learn how to play pickleball. And um, so we were in a car accident, and so I've got an injury from it. And as we were driving down the road, we were talking about um, a couple of meetings I've had, and I shared with her uh, a couple of presentations and pitches that organizations have given us lately about the authentic pastor. And her response was, we've done that in the past, and we've made a lot of mistakes. And I said to her the same thing. I said, we have to quit looking back whether it be that we're talking now in this conversation about our inauthenticity or some decisions we made or some missteps we made along the way, we learn from them. We're learning from them. We're moving on and we're not afraid to share those out loud mm-hmm. because that might give somebody else some hope, some comfort, some realization that they're not the only bonehead in the conversation. Yeah. And, and they're okay. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, that's the first thing I'd say, you know, succinctly if we're talking about mental health this month and specifically on this podcast number one you're okay you're normal yeah every bible character you're you're human yeah right every bible character that we read about that god gave us as a revelation of ourselves but also of him to us they dealt with this this isn't a new story you're you're not out of the context of the human experience. Now I will say that there are things that people carry in their soul, their mind, will, and emotions from past trauma that they need to deal with, um, that they need to seek an earthly counselor, just like they have a heavenly counselor. And that's that, you know, that's not what's wrong with you. That's what's right with you. I also would say that people in their body need to take a really good look at how much sugar they're intaking how much they're medicating with alcohol or cigars, like, or you fill in the blank for you. But my point is, is this, when your spirit is trying to speak to your soul and your body is trying to win your soul, your flesh is going to bring you somewhere where it carries, you, you have to ask the question, where am I going to find peace from this storm? What am I doing with this anxiety, with this depression, with this hurt? What's my knee-jerk reaction? And I would challenge every pastor out there that if Jesus and the Holy Spirit and his presence isn't the thing you're going to first, then you might have a problem with self-medication with you fill in the blank. It might become or has become a source where you are trying to medicate yourself with a substance and you need a, you need the presence of a person. If we're not running to Jesus on the daily, we're not running to, to Christ with our body first and foremost, and we're going to the fridge and cracking a alcohol, whatever it is, let's just use that as a stupid example. Or a popsicle. Or, or, or a cheeseburger. You know, or a, whatever. Or, yeah, my, yeah, my point is that's why I use the blank. Okay. Sure. I'm just saying, I think we got to ask ourselves our questions. What are we first running to? With the things warring in our soul that are showing up in our body, 
in the form of anxiety and depression and worry and fear that grew into this? Where, where are we first running? That's a really good question because that'll help us reorganize, uh, reprioritize our steps. So number one, you're normal. This is something we all deal with. And number two, where are you running in your normal? And then I would say, um, thirdly, are you faithful to what fills you? Because I know you're faithful to what drains you. And those are, those are three really good questions, I think, for leaders to, number one, realize the reality of what we're dealing with here. And also not glamorize it so much so that it's like, you know, it's Sunday and I just need a mental health day. No, you don't. God brought Ezekiel to the Valley of Dry Bones, to a place where there was death all around. And he, then he said, now use your gift. And that's 99% of ministry. Go to the Valley of Dry Bones and use your gift. Show up on Sunday and play the guitar. Put a smile on and let your spirit speak to your soul. Because your flesh, your body wants to tell your mind, will, and emotions to act like a, like a big old poopy face in the lobby. And to walk in with the spirit of heaviness. But you got to listen to your spirit. And that, that's the Valley of Dry Bones. But this is normal stuff, man. We're all dealing with this. And then, the, the, like I said, the, the second and third thing, I think, is just keeps us on the rails from, from derailing the path of peace in, in a way that we self-medicate the wrong way, and it just perpetuates problems. And then, what do you do for fun? When's your vacation? What do you, how do you block off your own personal time? Jesus is more interested... You know, 60%. Uh, Tim, Jesus is more interested in, in all of your listeners... Uh, following him than what he is interested in what they do for him. And it's funny that 60% of pastors don't take a day off. 85% of pastors don't prioritize their well-being. Yeah. We're working ourselves to death and we're getting, we're, we're, we're getting nowhere. We're, we're getting nowhere really fast. Actually, we're getting someplace where, uh, yeah. we're, going, we're going backward. We're going, you know, yeah. we're struggling. Well, I mean, I, and I think that that's, those are nuanced conversations with, you know, leaders and you're penning your situation. But I think the question of where are you medicating first and foremost will help put out all the things that are not helping the situation. And then, you know, like I said, the, the last question is, um, are you faithful to the rest, you know, or are you a savior? Um, are you, you know, trying to bankrupt God's sovereignty by constantly saying yes, you know, like, and then, um, you know, that Sabbath piece comes into, comes into play there. But these are just things I'm practicing you know, can, too, dude. Well, I know. I mean, that's why we can have this conversation because we have this conversation. We've had this conversation. We will have this conversation again. Yeah. The difference today is we're having this private conversation with struggles that we both have encountered and in encountering publicly. Yeah. And um, hopefully, hopefully just the willingness to be transparent and vulnerable in front of a microphone like we have been many times face to face or on a phone um, mm -hmm. is advantageous to those 
who've listened. Man, I get to see you next week face-to-face, speaking of face-to-face, and uh, can't wait for it. Yep. Looking forward to it. So we'll continue this conversation, and um, we'll have lots of others, but just that we are able to squeeze time in the midst of technology and craziness, and um, as we're you know producing for Jesus to have this podcast, um, I appreciate you yeah. very much, Eric. I, I appreciate the opportunity to you know, partner with you in this. So people aren't quitting the ministry. They're thriving in it. Because uh, yeah. this world needs pastors. This this world needs mentors. This world needs truth tellers. And um, it's it's an important thing for us, um, you know, to, to find our own health so we can help others to it. Um, and, and that's a hard conversation because we're never going to be you know so healthy um but we can also you know not be drowning in the pool and aspire to be the lifeguard uh you know sitting above it all and trying to look you really can't do you can't do both roles at the same time can you no you can't be drowning in the pool and be the lifeguard and i think that's what makes Um, the pastorate so hard dude is like like you told yeah. me just a second ago. That's a great ago. metaphor. You're like, man, I uh, I really feel like I don't really have much to say. And, and God's like, you know, the Holy Spirit whispers to you and says, hey, you're going you're gonna to talk about your inauthenticity. You know, you're authentically inauthentic in your authenticity about how you were drowning for years, you know. And you, you can't rescue anybody if you're, if you're getting pulled underneath the water. Um, yeah. So that's my hope is that this helps people tread. This helps people get out. This helps people get into that lifeguard station on whatever level. It just keeps keeps us breathing, keeps us moving. And so I, I would just end with um, with the listener in mind. Because most of our conversation is just our conversation. I hope people glean as they're listening to it. But I would end by saying, if you're listening and you're struggling, you need to seek help. Mm-hmm. You need to seek help. You need to pick up the phone. If you don't know where to go, you can just go to theauthenticpastor.com, drop us a note. Uh, we're here to seek and support or find some, seek some support for you. Mm-hmm. We won't pretend to be the experts, but if we can lead you to someplace because you are, don't know where to go or you're too ashamed or too embarrassed to do that, um, we'll, we'll walk with you to get you over that so you don't have to feel alone because you're not alone. And um, Jesus is your source. Eric, um, yep. dude, you shared a lot today. Let me say one last thing. I appreciate it. Um, to someone yep. who's there, and you could use this as a clip too if you'd like, but I just, in my heart, I just want to say that to the pastor or to the leader that's really wrestling with physical harm to themselves. Um, this has snowballed into it where you have been looking for a cup of water. That's why you're listening to this. It's because you're so far to the end of your rope, you're white knuckling. And I have lost too many friends um, in ministry to their own hand where they take their life. And if you have had those thoughts or wrestled in that way or feel like that's an out for your solution, can I just tell you something today? You can quit the ministry. You You can quit being a pastor you're released.
go work at Home Depot and have great benefits and be a great dad and find yourself again because this world needs you in the Home Depot plumbing aisle to build the kingdom of God just as much as we need people to do X, Y, or Z. But authentic people in the plumbing aisle at Home Depot that are loving their kids and loving their wife will be worth more to the kingdom of God than inauthentic leaders who are losing their connection with their wife and their kids or their spouse or whatever the case may be because they are underneath this weight of of all of it. It's okay. Jesus loves you whether you're a pastor or not. That's something I wish I would have told so many of my friends that that took their life in the throes of the pressures of just bringing hope and light. Like there's all kinds of ways to do it and I release you to do it in a different way, but to do it in a way that that keeps you here with us because we need you. It's probably the most powerful thing we said all day. I will be shocked if um, we don't make that the beginning clip and the end clip of this entire podcast. Bro, I will see you next week in Colorado. See ya.